Hello and welcome to Patient World. Today we're honored to have our special guest, Dr. Amelia Beakey. Welcome to the show, Dr. Beakey. Thanks so much for having me here. Okay, we're glad to have you. So let's get started by having you tell the audience about yourself. Thank you. Well, I'm an osteopathic physician, and for me, that's really been a concept that has governed my whole life. I knew I wanted to be a doctor. It started out to be a veterinarian, and then I looked at human medicine, and where I live in Michigan, one of our colleges has a human medicine MD and an osteopathic medicine DO college all on the same campus. And when I learned about osteopathic concepts, it really spoke to me. It was about the whole person and body, mind, spirit integration, that there is health within us and the job of the doctor is to find that health rather than always focus on the disease. And I thought, perfect, this really speaks to me. And when I started into the practice of medicine, I thought I wanted to be a primary care physician, you know, cradle to grave medicine, taking care of families through all stages of their life. And when I arrived to my residency, it wasn't quite what I expected. It was really quick visits and a lot of procedures and medications and it, it just didn't resonate. And actually for a moment I thought, you know, maybe medicine isn't for me. And I went to my director of medical education. I said, thanks so much. I think I'm going to leave and be a personal trainer. This has been great. And this was midway through intern year, right? So gone through medical school, gone through all this training. And thankfully, he had the wherewithal to say, you know, maybe there might be another alternative than just leaving medicine entirely at this juncture. Like, what else might work? And we had on our campus a neuromusculoskeletal medicine residency program but the version we had was you had to complete some other residency first. And I, I didn't feel like I wanted to go through something else to get there. And so we had the moment in time, we had about a week to get together an application to create a standalone neuromusculoskeletal medicine and osteopathic manipulative medicine residency. And we did. And I pivoted along with one of my colleagues. And that really matched what I was picturing for medicine. I had more time with my patients. I did a lot of hands-on care. We use manipulative treatment. So we look at what's not working well in the body and how can we kind of set it free so the health can come through. And so that really matched more what I, I expected from the practice of medicine. And that's where I went. I was in a large practice. I was a medical director. I pivoted to a solo private practice. I was in a group. And then in the pandemic, uh, we closed all ancillary medical practices temporarily. We didn't know right, what that would mean in that moment back in 2020. And I knew something was going to shift. And I walked home from clinic that day and said, you know, I'm not going back. And I didn't know what that meant. But I had enrolled in coach training uh, about you know months prior. It was going to start one week later, one week after my office closed. And when we got to the coach session, they said, your job is not to tell people what's wrong with them. It's help seeing them what's right with them. And they have the answers within. And I thought, I've been a coach this whole time, right? And it's just been how I practice medicine. And so from there, I pivoted and expanded my work to helping physicians. And so I bring the osteopathic concept along with coaching into programs that help physicians take care of themselves, address burnout, improve their personal development, and find ways forward from there. And it's really felt like a full expression of all those different ways that kind of get to be a personal trainer like I wanted to be and bring my medical career into being and fully embrace my coach self. So that's kind of my story into the work that I'm doing now through those journeys in medicine. I can fully appreciate uh, what you're saying. When you were talking, I was just listening to the bullet points. Yes, in and out. Yes, taking care of diseases. Yes. And so I've spoken with a lot of people, and I'm included, that just feel like, you know, you spent all that time, hardcore science, this is the disease, this is the drug. Mm -hmm. Why can't we focus on what can we do so we don't end up with the disease needing the drug? 
And so um, a lot of doctors are just rethinking medicine for some of the same reasons. Mm -hmm. And instead of just dealing with the disease once it happens, dealing with the overall person, the mindset, you know, the motivation to make changes, the lifestyle issues and so forth to prevent these things. Absolutely. And, you know, you're probably aware that the American Association of Medical Colleges is looking at a shortage of 124,000 doctors in 10 years. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Doctors are burning out burning out and they're getting out of medicine uh, in huge numbers. And so that is so right to the point now. Yes, absolutely. I mean, look at burnout, right, in the programs that I do. And we know it's 80% systemic and 20% individual factors that contribute. And with coaching, we focus a lot on the individual because we can control it, right? We have full autonomy over ourselves. However, right, absolutely the systemic needs to be addressed. And I also completed the Osteopathic Health Policy Fellowship in the midst of the pandemic, that was an interesting year as well, because for me, it's a both and, right? What can we do as individuals to make changes? And how do we hold these systems accountable and, you know, optimize that structure? Structure and function are one of the key core tenets of osteopathic medicine, right? Things have to be structured well in order to have optimal function. And so can we, right? Can we change what medicine even is so that physicians are able and willing to stay? And of course we need disease management and we need right surgical interventions i'm so grateful for modern medicine and all that it can offer to us but also right, so much of it really is before we get to all of those spaces and stages and how do we really harness that opportunity and bring more fulfillment to those because so many of us in the practice of medicine really do want to nurture health that's the goal and can we make more spaces that that's how medicine is designed so what do you think is the leading thing that doctors need to be focusing on now to help the patients and, you know, the corollary, the things that patients or all patients at some point, you know, could really be doing differently so they don't have as many illnesses. Yeah, absolutely. And this really all does come back to coaching, right? And reclaiming our own autonomy. So coaching, one of the key and core principles there is we have the control over our thoughts, right? Our responses to things. And for patients and for physicians, like, what is it that we're telling ourselves is possible and not possible here? And again, I want to be very clear. Of course, there are genetics and there are different exposures and environments and privilege, all different factors that play into health. But ultimately, even within all of that, right, what choices do we have and how can we talk to ourselves differently about the current circumstance? So you probably, as a patient, you might have limited resources as far as time or finances. What's maybe one thing, right, you can control and that might be your sleep. It might not be. If you have a newborn, it might not be that. But it might be, you know, a shift in nutrition. It might be a little bit more movement. It doesn't have to be all of those all at once. But thinking, what's something here that I can control that can contribute to my health? And for physicians, same thing. And that could be how they talk to their patients, right? Offering up that premise. But also for their own lives. What's something I can control today, right? Whether it's blocking a little bit of time in my schedule so I can move or I can, you know, go to the bathroom or I can eat. Or is it, you know, the way that I structure my months? So I take the vacation that's actually available to me in here. Or, you know, who are my resources? You know, am I leaning on my family all the time or do I have colleagues? So what's one thing today I can control to contribute to my health? And like anything, right, those little investments every day, they add up. We have compounding interests that can go forward. And so if we keep that as the focus and still being very mindful, absolutely, big systemic change, yes. But that takes a long time. And so we're looking at what can we do in the interim to build momentum and build our own strength and authority and agency so we can actually be better advocates to say, you know what, this needs to change. And now I have the reserve to be someone 
who holds the system accountable. And I think you hit on something important. Changes over time. Those things add up mm -hmm. because if you tell a patient, you tell anybody, I want you to change A, B, C, D, E, F, and G, they're going to look at you like a deer in the headlight, mm -hmm. like, are you serious? And it's different if a person tells you to change and if you have control. So you talked about acknowledging you have control. What do I have control over? What can I do differently? And once the person chooses, okay, this is what I have control over, this is what I can do differently, that person is so much more likely to actually mm -hmm. stick to it than if they're just told what to do. So the the ability to acknowledge um, your control over a situation, that's yes. what and I'll say too, I see a lot of patients for pain, right? As a musculoskeletal specialist, that's one of the key chief complaints. And many times, like you said, there will be an A through F list of things that could contribute. And sometimes that's really overwhelming. And for me, I would say, this is great. Look at all these opportunities we have to you know, influence this for the better. And no, we're not going to do all of them today, but pick the one, pick the one that seems the most doable, right? The most relevant, the one that's most appealing to you. And let's do that one. And then next time, maybe we take another one off the list. And so you have all of these opportunities because it can seem like, oh, great, right? All these things are wrong with me and I have to fix all of it. And that's really the language we're trying to shift as well. Like, no, here's all the things that right now are interrupting your health. And so we're going to take away some of these interruptions so that the health can flow a little more freely. And sometimes if you you know hit the right one, you don't always know, right? That magical, we call it the key lesion. Sometimes when we're treating in the physical body, all the rest of it almost falls away, right? If you find that kind of the core issue, some of those other minutia mm -hmm. don't even need a lot of direct attention. They just naturally fall into line with the health of you, of your family, of your work, of your system. So there's, there's a lot of opportunity to be had. So you also mentioned sleep. Mm -hmm. uh, for those of us, you know, who may not have kids, maybe a little bit older, <laughs> may not have any newborn mm -hmm. kids, um, what would you suggest? And let me preface this with, um, you know, in lifestyle medicine, one of the six pillars um, is restful mm -hmm. sleep. And we know that if you're not sleeping, you know, this cycle starts and it's like this downhill spiral. And even if you're not sick, if you're not getting sleep, you will become mm -hmm. sick at some point in time. So what are your thoughts? What would you want to share with the audience? As far as sleep hygiene. Well, I'll offer this up, and I also hear my dear colleague who's a sleep coach and, you know, specialist, so I will recommend having her on here to talk to all the specifics around it. And for me, sleep has been a place where I have been challenged in so much as I can, right, and I could put that in quotes, function on pretty minimal sleep. And there is a range, right? Everyone has a range of how much sleep they really do need to be functional. However, there are minimums, right, that all of us need to be hitting, and so checking in with that and knowing that it can shift right over the course of your life, we think we think about that with kids, right? They need a lot of sleep and then it gets less and then it gets even more. And then there are times in our life we don't need as much. So recognize that it's natural for you to need more or less sleep than you did historically. And of course, if there's major interrupters to your sleep, check in with your physician to make sure there's not a hormonal or any kind of physiological contribution. <clears throat> Excuse me. And what I would say is, Think about sleep and rest, right? Because they're two different things and both have a lot of merits. And I just finished the book, Rest is Resistance. It was really powerful for me to think about the act of rest as kind of sticking up against the system, right? Saying we don't always have to be these producers <clears throat> and these doers of things and being able to instead say, I'm going to take a moment, right? And rest my eyes is a phrase you know, that often can be used or to take a brief nap or even just to sit quietly. So there are ways to rest 
throughout the days when you might not be able to fully sleep. And then for sleep in general, right, some of the basic things we can do are to reduce the time we're on a screen nearer to bedtime, right, kind of honor some of those circadian rhythms, make your sleep space lovely and beautiful and cozy and free of a lot of distractions. For me, it's always helpful to bring back the paper book, right, because I do a lot of audiobooks and you know, ebook, e-readers, but if you can bring back a paper book, almost notoriously, unless it's an amazing, <laughs> keep you turning the pages, read, it will help you to get to sleep. Having a brief meditation practice, and that doesn't have to be many hours long, but just some breaths, you know, picking a mantra and saying it to yourself a few times, and just allowing some of those simple things to invite sleep sooner. And also, don't miss the window, right? So many of us, we get tired, and then we want to do one more thing, and again, hand raised, that's me. I can get in this laundry. I can, you know, write this report now that my children who aren't young, but they still require care are sleeping. When we miss that window, right, you reactivate another sleep cycle and you're wide awake at a time that your body really does need to sleep. So try to dive in a little sooner than maybe you even think and know that your waking hours will hold more for you when you've provided that restless. Your focus will be better. Your attention, your energy will be better during the day. So those are some of the key pieces, but I'll definitely introduce you to some of my colleagues who would come on and give you beautiful tips on sleep as well. Okay. You know, sleep, that's something that, you know, in a residency and as physicians, you know, it's like you learn, you're trained mm -hmm. to go without sleep. And so you can, yes, like you said, I can function, mm -hmm. but it's not good for you. And something that I recently read, I think it was on CNN, I'm not sure, um, the article about people who nap during the day, they may have a larger mm -hmm. brain volume. You know, that is significant. You know, if your brain is actually going to be larger when you're taking naps and the ability mm -hmm. to get a restful sleep, you know, that that is something that you know, I think a lot of us need to look into more. All that, the coffee mm -hmm. and so forth, which is. Yeah. And one factor I wanted to share. So from a coaching perspective, so we have feelings, right? And feelings drive our actions. Mm -hmm. And so tired can be a feeling. It can also simply be a physiological experience, but not the more not tired, but like, you know, if you're feeling tired and sometimes you do have to power through, right? If you are the only surgeon and you need to go to the next case, or if you're the only parent, and your kid is up sick and you need to stay awake. There are times we do need to still function when we're tired, hopefully not all the time. But what I encourage people to do is to take that tired and put it on the bench, right? And I picture feelings as like little creatures. You know, the movie Inside Out has been really helpful in helping us see feelings that way and say, tired, I feel you. And from you, I should rest, right? The action following you should be rest. But I don't have the capacity to rest right now. So I'm going to put you aside and I'm going to pull up a different feeling like driven or dedicated or compassionate or, you know, responsible. And so we train our brain that we don't work from tired, right? We rest from tired, but we work from driven and passionate in all those spaces because it can get really confusing because your body might then think, I'm tired. I do really good work when I'm tired, right? I'm going to draw on tired all the time and keep working. So if we can start to re-educate our brain, right, that tired is not a space from which we want to work. It's a space from which we want to rest and offer up those other pieces, that can make a big difference, right? So we're retraining what's an appropriate action to take from this feeling of tired. So from my coach hat, that's been really helpful for me and for a lot of my clients as they try to make those shifts and not work through um, in those times they still have to. Yeah, I've never heard that mm -hmm. before. That makes perfect sense. And I like how you put that together because it kind of reconditions your brain mm -hmm. to think differently. And if you think differently, you do think, Absolutely. You do think yeah. differently. 
so all of this is great information. Is there anything else you'd like to you know, share? No, I just think that idea of, again, looking at what you can control is the key takeaway for this. And that can be something around you, right? You might change the minutes that you exercise or that you sleep, but also really your response, right? We know from Viktor Frankl, right, that real power happens in that space between the thing that happens and then how you choose to react and respond to it. So let yourself be in that pause and choose that next thought. So even today, right, if you're in a difficult conversation with someone, maybe that's a patient or a friend, take a moment, take a breath, take a pause and notice what option do I have to think about this differently? And how can that change the course of my day? And notice that all of those are going to nurture those seeds of health in your life, emotionally, physically, mentally, spiritually, and you can really offer that to yourself today. There are so many ramifications of that just to stop and think about how you handle the situation. It could fly off a handle, mm -hmm. you could ruin your day, you can get stressed, or you can handle it differently. And that is an excellent piece of information, advice to give people because mm -hmm. our emotions don't want us to do that. We just want to respond. We're insulted. Somebody says something, we just want to jump in. But if we step back and we think about what's going on and the different ways to respond, then we can come out doing so mm -hmm. much better on the tail end. How yes, like this osteopathic life is where you can find most everything for mine. I have a podcast by that name, website at that name, Instagram and Facebook. So find me there or this osteopathic life at gmail.com. If you'd like to shoot me an email, happy to continue the conversation about health, about coaching, about agency and about systems change. So I'm all about the revolution grounded in health, love, and humanity. So please reach out and we can continue this journey together. It's a new day for health and wellness and it begins at Patient World. Empower yourself with fun and engaging on-demand courses taught by doctors and other experts at patientworld.net today.